Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast. An honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learn in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, and today we have on casting director Seth Kasky. I found Seth through pandemic times on Instagram, where he is extremely active in sharing his views of casting with actors. He is definitely known as an actor's casting director, and we kind of get into what that means today. You might have heard of some of the shows Seth has worked on with Liz Barnes's office, particularly Glow or What If, Siren, Blood and Treasure, oh, this show called Mayor of Kingstown. Yes, he has had his hand in all of those plots. Also, he just cast a commercial that I got to do, which was thrilling. We kind of talk about it off the top, but that was something that happened before the podcast, which was really exciting. So we kind of got to go in depth about commercial casting versus series casting. We also talked about how to specifically stand out in a self-tape when the feed just gets overwhelming for a casting director, when they see tape after tape after tape. How does he handle going through so much material and seeing the same stuff over and over? And what makes him pause and rewatch a tape? We also talk about the pre-process to that. So the submission overwhelm and how they number and move their submissions. Also, how he feels about you having a self-tape in place of a reel. Hint, have one. And as someone who teaches workshops, Seth really talks about how actors can best utilize a workshop for their career and how to go about it in the right way. And lastly, we really talk about the current vibe in Hollywood with the potential impending writer's strike. Keep in mind, we recorded this in February, so we'll see what it's like in March when it airs. But there's a lot of tension in the air. There's a lot of quiet. There's a lot of people looking around wondering where are jobs, where are auditions. And he really shares how casting feels on the same wavelength and what we can do to better ourselves and to take care of ourselves in times like these. Oh, and by the way, he also tells us where to find a link for you to send him your materials. Yeah, so listen up for that. Without further ado, please enjoy casting director Seth Kasky. This is a super fun and unique case to have you, Seth, on the podcast because I actually just booked my first job with you, which you is did. really exciting. You did. I've never had a casting director on the podcast moments after <laughs> <laughs> that something like that happened. So that was really thrilling. So thanks for that. And well, thanks for amazing. being here. <laughs> and I don't normally cast a lot of commercials. And so I think the universe just conspired for us to have this conversation in this way. So I'm excited. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about that? Because are you getting into commercials or did that happen? Is that the first, that's not the first commercial you've cast, is it? It's not the first commercial. Actually, a commercial was the very first thing that I ever cast with Liz when I was just kind of dabbling my toe into casting. And it was the most overwhelming, most work I've ever done in a week because commercials are lightning fast. You have to see a ton of actors. Like it's just its own sort of animal. And so we don't do a ton of them, but this one came my way because I said yes to a free job two years ago. Honestly, I met an actor in a workshop and several months after meeting her, she reached out to me and said, I have a really good friend who's in the AFI program. He's getting ready to do his thesis. He'd love to sort of just talk to a casting director. You know, I'm not asking you to do it for him, but you know, just kind of pick your brain and give him some advice. We got on the phone. I read the script. I loved it. He's like, I don't really have 
a lot to pay you. Like it's not going to, we're not going to be able to pay the actors. Like it'd be sort of a, because you like the project and believe in what we're doing kind of thing. And I said, sure. Yes. He's a really great guy. And then fast forward two years, he calls me and says, Hey, I've got a commercial that I'm producing. I need the casting director. Are you available? And it just so happens that I was, and I said, yes. And here we go. Ah, uh, I love that. That's the energy that I tell actors about all the time is like, do your friends projects that you really like when you have time, because you just never know. Like, honestly, a two year turnaround is not that crazy of a time to see something come back from something you did for free. So that's great. The same with self tapes, you know, you never know what one self tape that you might do might lead to later. You know, we have, we had an actor on this season of mayor of Kingstown that she taped for a role in season one that she didn't get. And then we were casting a, a, another role in season two and she booked a recurring role in season two off of a self tape that she did for season one. So did you guys specifically go back and pull her tape from season one or how did she book that off the original tape? We did. We read actors for this new sort of, it, it was initially written as a co-star, possibly recurring. Like we, they didn't really know what they needed. It wasn't supposed to be that big of a part. And we read a bunch of women for it. This particular actor was someone that our casting directors were like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be amazing if she would do this? We loved her from last year, but we couldn't hire her. And then we checked her availability just to see, hey, you think she'd come and want to play? And she really likes the show. And so, yes, she was available to come do this one episode. At the time, it was just one episode. And instead of having her read, we just pulled her tape from last year, showed it to the director and our showrunner. And they're like, yes, she's amazing. Great. Let's bring her. Let's have her do it. Shows up on set. Everyone falls in love with her. We were block shooting. She shot the episode that she booked. They wrote her a scene in the other episode that was in that block and then just kept bringing her back for episodes throughout the season. So it was great. So when you said that your her first tape made everyone fall in love with her, like initially too, did anyone tell her like casting loved your tape, but not for this role? Or did she just go on thinking it was another tape? I don't know who saw it, whatever, and like get no feedback. I can't give you a definitive answer because I wasn't, I didn't work on season one. I do know that for that role, she was down to one of a couple of actors who were being considered, who were really being considered. So I know that she probably got a, hey, pin or watch and advise to let her know she was in the mix. But I don't know how much feedback she got for that. I think you see what I'm going for there is that like, I think a lot of times we turn in these tapes and we just think... Another one off to the races, never hear anything back. But to hear that they went back to her original tape tells me a lot to know that that came full circle like that, that we just don't know what casting is thinking about. And once, you know, we are, casting always wants to get the job done as quick as possible. We always want to find the best actor as soon as possible. And so there's always those actors that either we love, that we always go back to, or those that we remember, ah, she was the one that got away. And if there's anything else that we can find for her, we know the, cre the creative team already really likes her. It was an easy sort of, if she's available, we know that the, the team likes her. But casting is always looking. If we can find an old tape of someone or if we can bring someone back, that's always the way to go. So it shortcuts the process for us. Yeah, I think that's the goal with all of us, right? We all just want to use our previous work to stand for what we're doing right now. In casting commercials versus series, what are the things that stand out to you as the different? Obviously, you said the timeline flies, but I feel as though the acting in commercials now is so close to 
theatrical casting. It's not like big and bold anymore. Can we talk about this this difference a little bit? Uh, I mean, yes, my limited experience since I've just coming off this one, I'm going to talk about this particular spot that we did. I think one difference that I noticed, the self-tape request to self-tape returned ratio in commercials is far greater than in theatrical. I mean, it was a 98, 99% confirmed self-tape for every request that I sent. Wait, and that doesn't happen theatrically? It is not always the case. No. What? No. It's gotten better, but I mean, there is a, and you tend to do it. We were, we were, we were even doing it in person when we were seeing people back before the pandemic, like you would over schedule a session because you always knew there were people that wouldn't show up. There are always people who will not sell tape. There are some actors who, you know, once they get to a certain level, choose not to audition anymore. And that's, that's their choice. There were actors that auditioned for this commercial that I thought, I couldn't believe that they taped for this. So that was my first big takeaway of I put out a bunch of appointments and I got almost all of those self-tapes back. Wait, why do you think that is? That's surprising to me. I think it would be the other way around. I have no idea. Interesting. I mean, unless that's the, you know, the time commitment on a commercial is typically, I mean, this was two days at most mm-hmm. for what the usage fee and the session fee were going to be. Maybe the actress, it stands to be more lucrative for an actor, maybe they're more fun. I mean, these were fun spots. You, you read what everybody read. We had every, we had all the actors who were reading for the three main roles that we were casting. Everybody did the same sides. So it was a fun spot. It wasn't hard. They were each maybe 35, 45 seconds in length. Yeah. They were so short. So that could be the case. They They don't take a lot of prep. They don't take a lot of sort of actor homework. Or, or at least this one didn't. It was really mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. the actors being themselves. Yeah, we're, we're not coaching yeah, for exactly. this. Exactly. No coaching. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> but in terms of the acting, yeah, you know, these were sort of little mini vignettes where we had a sort of main character and then they were interacting with fans for this particular product. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you already said the name or not. I don't know if I'm supposed to say the name. We'll, no, we'll no, no, I didn't. Now. I didn't think I was supposed um, to. <laughs> they were all sort of being themselves in their living space or, you know, out in a train or whatever. And so, yeah, it was a very grounded read. And I think that, you know, there are certainly commercials. I mean, I'm sure everybody watched the Super Bowl that just happened. You know, they're always fun to watch because you never, there are going to be those that are a little bit tone wise, broader and crazier and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of commercials, just like in theatrical auditions, you don't want to see an actor doing a scene. You want to see an actor living a moment on a commercial, you don't want to see an actor selling a product. You want to see an actor having an experience that the product happens to be helping or behind them or, or whatever. So keeping it grounded and real, I think is, unless you're told otherwise, I think that's probably the safest way to go. Yeah. When I first started in the business, it was very different, right? The acting in commercials versus the acting in series and how you showed up in a room. I mean, I remember the first time I got a commercial self-tape request and I was like, a commercial self tape. And it was so wild and weird to me. And I was like, I can't believe I'm doing a commercial on a self tape. And it's funny what you can get used to after a while. Cause now I'm like, what you want me to go to a room? You want me to go in person somewhere in my car? I have to get dressed. No, pants. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Know. I know. Do you ever, it, you guys must get tired. Like if you saw, if you sent that out to so many actors, and you got a 98% return rate. 
they got to get a little monotonous, right? Like the same lines, the same things. So what made you like click a tape? Like what was, obviously you watched them, but like, what was the it factor? Like if you can even describe it, and I know we're just talking about one particular job, but I think this is like a mini case study, especially because you have fresh eyes on this project. You are completely right. There does come a point, even when you're going through submissions or when you're going through self tapes and everything starts to run together as a blur. And so I think part of my process is once I start to feel that I'm like, I got to go do something else. Like I got to walk away, step away, come back with fresh eyes because I'm not doing anybody any favors. I'm missing people in the submission. I'm not giving people my full attention when I'm watching tapes. So being able to take that break and, and step away in terms of once I click a tape to watch it, well, especially in commercials, I think it, or, or for this one that we were casting so many different parts, but having everybody read the same material, which was a little bit of a disconnect because there were some roles, yeah. the role that you booked, which is very sort of straight man, kind of normal person. We had you read sort of this much more charactery part. So it was like, okay, let me see if I can interpret that acting to what I'm going to ultimately need them to do. And then is there something here that's interesting to me? I think that's really the, if there was one word or one way of describing what gets me into a cell tape is, is there something interesting here? Does this feel like a person? Does this feel like a human being living a moment? Does it feel like an actor having a scene? Okay, great. If I can tell, you know, there were some actors that read that maybe did not want to be self-taping for this commercial at their home. And that energy completely came through the camera that they didn't really want to be doing this. They were doing it because their rep sent them the appointment and they felt obligated to. Okay, that's cool. That's everyone's choice to approach it the way they want. But the ones who were there to have fun, you know, especially in this, we, I, we had you do two different versions of the same material. And the ones that kind of went for it and had fun with the one version of it were like, okay, great. I don't know that they're right, but at least they had a good attitude and were having fun and there to play. And that's the kind of person that you're ultimately going to want to put on set with someone. Well, and that, that must also translate too to like series casting because you use dummy sides sometimes, right? Or sides for a previous character, especially for a new show or things like that. Do you feel like that's a similar vibe in terms of like, this is the sides we're using. They're not exactly from the writers, but like, this is the vibe. And and have you done that in shows previously? We have used dummy sides that they were fairly close to what was ultimately going to be in the script. And I think that that's, you know, we, I haven't ever done a, a Marvel show where they completely, if you've ever auditioned <laughs> for one of those, like I've, I've helped some actors prepare for those and they are completely have nothing to do with anything. Like they feel like they are just out of left field. And I think, you know, obviously they want to maintain uh -huh. the mystery, but you know, when, when we put out sides for an actor to read, it's after we've had our conversation with our, the writer and the director of what's the vibe of this character? What is the essence of this character? What do we need from this character in this episode? And then, you know, ultimately in series, what are we thinking we need to be able to show or, or bring an actor that can know that whoever we, we cast in this is going to be able to hit those notes. The writers will write us a scene if there's not, it, it happens a lot in pilots that you may, it may be a series regular or a recurring role and they've got four lines in the pilot. And it's like, ah, that's right. great. And we'll probably have them do those four lines, but can you write us another scene 
that gives us some context, gives gives you a sense of who this actor is, what we're ultimately going to need that character to do so that you can make a, an informed decision that this is the right person for the part. Yeah, it's a it's a tough play to call sometimes. Those Marvel ones are like a joke. It's like it's like we're baking cookies and I'm like, what the fuck? Is exactly. This? And I think in that in those types of situations, I think you just have to play it yourself with as much information as you're going to get from the sides, as much information as you're going to get from the breakdown, play it as yourself. Yeah. For me, that's my best recommendation on those types of things because it's, I tell this to actors all the time that come in with series regular stuff or big recurring stuff. Most of the time with series regulars, no one is getting cast off this self tape. This is step one in a process. Like this is the casting director saying, we like this actor, or this is a new actor for us, or we're going to try this actor, or we've seen them in something that we thought they might be the right fit for this. Let's try it. And then there will be a step two, there will be a callback. There will be, especially if you're, if it's a series regular and you're testing on something like that, you're going to either be on the zoom with producers and the director, like there's going to be a whole process you have to go through where you'll have the opportunity to get some of those holes pulled in. But in that first tape, it's, does this person have good instincts and do they feel like this character? Do I believe them as this part? Do I believe the words this actor is saying? And, you know, that's kind of the nugget of deciding if an actor stays in the mix or stays, you know, it, it stays in like it's a, it's, it's a, it's a good read. If, if you can sort of check off both of those boxes, like it may not ultimately be the answer, but it's a good audition. As someone who chooses even who to bring in to see if someone's acting is going to even match the vibe. So in terms of just the submission process, can you talk a little bit about the structure of a casting office? So you work with Liz Barnes, but like, do you specifically pull people or does she pull people? Like, I know every office is different, but can you talk a little bit about how that how we even get into the mix of auditions, let alone into the mix later on. In our office specifically, it's a mix of the two. Typically what happens is, you know, Liz will come up with, because she's been doing this for so long, she has this encyclopedic IMDB in her brain that (laughs) she just knows everybody. And the minute we start talking about a character, she's got six names on a list. Hmm. Like she just can do that. So there are are actors that she's like, I want to read these people, whether they were submitted or not, like we're going to try them or just find out if they're available, that sort of thing. And then as submissions start coming in, in breakdowns, which if you follow, I believe the casting director's cut is doing, did a post on it not too long ago about breakdowns and the numbering system that are underneath every submission. It's one through six. Yeah, we'll link that post yes, in yes, the show notes. Do. When your thumbnail comes up in the submission, it's one through six underneath there. It, there's you know an indicator of whether you've been into our office before, any notes on, that we have on the actor, any submission notes that your reps have sent, all that information is right there. And in our office, before we start a project, we all go, okay, what are the numbers going to mean on this project? One is straight to producers, six is usually not available, five is self-tape, you know, four is maybe... And then I will typically be three and Liz will be two that, or, or one. And like anybody that I really want to see, I'll just mark as a three and I'll let her know, hey, these are some folks that I mark. Let me know if there's anybody that you don't want to see or do want to see. And then she'll go through and change them to whatever her number is on that project. And then those are the people that will come in. Or if she's got names from got her it. list, then we'll make sure that those people are flagged in the breakdown or we'll reach out to those people's reps and check their availability and try to set them up. Okay. And in pages and pages of breakdowns, 
my actors who are very nervous about their materials or being new or things like that. Can you talk us through, are there any red flags to you in a breakdown? Because there's like, some people think that's like, well, if I don't have material, I'm never going to go in. Or if I don't have uh, credits on my resume, I'm never going to go in. Or if I don't have the most perfect headshot, or if my headshots are more than three years old, or like all these fake rules that we have made up in our heads over time. Can you talk us down from those? <laughs> I would love to, because I think actors are really good at creating obstacles where there don't necessarily need to be them. Yes, 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 and yes, yes. It, this is a, it, Listen, there's no one that will deny that this is a tough business to get into. The career paths that we've both chosen, there are a lot of things we could do that are a lot easier that would make us a lot more money. But we are here because we love what we do. There's challenges that come with that. And part of it is these things that actors make up in their mind. So in terms of submissions, you know, submissions can be sorted. I can sort them however I want to sort them alphabetically by who was submitted first, who was submitted last. I will say that the one filter I tend to turn on the most is show me actors with media. And that just means a demo, a performance clip, something that is you saying words on a moving picture. That's what I want to see. Because there's oftentimes when I will respond to a headshot, a new actor that I'm not familiar with. And then I just want to see them saying words on camera. So I will click on that movie icon at the end just to see a demo, a performance clip, whatever. That doesn't mean if you don't have clips from your four co-stars, all you have, if you're brand new, you don't have a ton of co-stars. What you do have up there is a really great self-tape. Good. That is you saying words on camera just so that I get a sense of does the vibe match the picture that I just responded to? Am I still feeling the same thing? Because in those pages and pages and pages of submissions. This is my process. Everybody's process is going to be slightly different for them, but this is sort of how I approach it. We've had a conversation with our creative team on what's the concept for this role? What do we want to feel? What do we need? You know, who is this character? And so the first pass, you know, there's a pass of, let me go through the page and whose headshot stands out that makes me feel that way. It's a feeling. It's like, this feels right. This feels right. This feels right. This feels right. So we use that number system to just sort of bank you over here into this thing. There's also actors that I know. Not even clicking like into them. It's kind of like the initial reflection of the headshot that's facing yeah. you situation. Like like first if I don't gut know instinct. You. Great. And then I was going to say, there's another sort of okay. layer in that first pass of actors that I know that I've hired before, that I've met, whose work I'm familiar with, who I've auditioned before, that I'm like, oh yeah, that, they'd be great. Let's just move them over here. So there's a bit of recognition that comes with having, you don't need to have 26 headshots. If you have one or two or three that continually are submitted, I'm going to subconsciously remember you because you're going to start popping up in multiple places. So there's that. It's really trying to get that big pile. Folks that are just not right or just don't feel right Let's just have them over here for in one pile. And then the folks that are potentially right, let's put them over here in another pile. And then it's going back through that secondary pile. Oh, yes, I know this person. I definitely want to see them. This is a new face. Let me do a little bit of digging. Let me look at their demo. Great. 
what sort of experience do they have? Have they been on set before? If it's a guest star, have they done another guest star? No. Have they done two or three mm-hmm. co-stars? Okay, they've been on set. This is maybe will be okay. Are they brand new out of school? Okay, let's try it. You know, let's have them read if they really feel right, but then sort of understanding that they may be a little greener when it comes to being on set. And then it's just further mm-hmm. drilling down. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I want to flag... I want to flag for actors. What you just said though, too, is that like, even if you don't have the credits and you don't may not end up fitting for this, what you just did was facial recognition for the next time. Like you just said. So it's just another, even though you didn't even get the audition, there was still a pinpoint of you digging into their profile that still gives them a piece of now you might kind of recognize them, file them away for later, even though they're not ready for this or they don't have the credits for this yet. It's just another like layer of connection that I have never even Mm -hmm. thought about that. That's why I think it's for my recommendation recommendation to actors is not to have a whole gamut of headshots that are being submitted because then it's, I'm getting different, I'm getting different versions of you. Right. And so it's not sticking in my head as much as, I mean, Sam, you have, your headshot is great. It looks just like you. I've seen it several times. Like I know it's you. Like the minute it pops up, it's like, I have no doubt. Even, you know, we, I don't know if we started the podcast or we talking about it before, like we had never met before today. Mm-mm, no. But I felt like I knew you going into bringing you in to read for this commercial. Like I already felt like I had a good sense of who you are. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I knew you because I'd seen your picture. I'd, I'd heard you on the podcast. And so it's to your point, it's just another way of, of building awareness in casting's mind. Yeah. And that knowing too, that it's not all about like the credits. And also you just want to see an actor work on camera. How much does it affect maybe for bigger roles, it affects more. But for you personally, let's say it's a drama. Let's say if Mayor of Kingston. So it's like a little bit darker, you know, Taylor Sheridan, you click on the role, whatever. And that person only has comedy clips. How much does that affect the potential of bringing them in or requesting them for this audition? Are the comedy clips good? Does it show me good acting? Is there something, I mean, I clicked on the picture. There's something that caused me to sort of like think that this could be a right fit. So does the acting in whatever they, they have available, is it good? Like that's because ultimately I want good actors, regardless of whether it's comedy or drama. I will look at, okay, if, if this is all they have clip wise, what's their training? What other sort of experience do they have? And then one of the beautiful things about the audition climate that we're in right now is it's a very little barrier of entry. It doesn't cost me 15 minutes in my actual day anymore to try it. There's something interesting here. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's right, maybe it's not right, but I can put out a self-tape and an actor can choose to do that or not do that. And then when the self-tape comes in, that audition either informs everyone more of who the character is or less of who the character is. And so I feel like every audition that we get, like it may not be the same thing. You know, if if it comes in, it's just like, oh, that's just too funny or too like for mayor of Kingstown, if we brought in someone who does a lot of comedy and their instinct was to make it lighter and funnier, that's not really the tone of the piece we're making. And so is that their instinct? Is that what they're going to always do? are they always going to be funny? Then maybe that's not what we need here, but the acting is still good. So great. We're not going to bring them. We're not really going to consider them for this part, but it was a new person. 
I'm glad to know their work now and we'll definitely keep them in mind for our next comedy that we do. But it doesn't cost a lot anymore to try it. And it's not for nothing for actors. That's, I think, the the key takeaway. No. The key takeaway is that I'm getting to see, show me good work, show me good acting, make that impression. You know, you already made an impression with your headshot and your resume and your reel. Make another good impression of good acting. Not everybody is going to be right for everything. As much as every actor thinks that they or wants to think that they can play everything, (laughs) it, it just isn't the case. But if you do good work, good work is good work. Good work gets remembered because I'm always sort of looking to shortcut it. So on the next breakdown, if I have a funny person, I'm for sure pulling that name. I will have them read again because I want to see them try again. But they're for sure going on the list of people yeah. to, to try because they're a good actor. They, they were interesting. They had something interesting about them. They did good work on the last time. Yeah. Let's get them a job. Yeah. God, I love that. It's just a nice reminder, too, because sometimes yeah. we feel like it's so hard to network. It's so hard to, in the day and age of like internet faces and COVID and all these things, a lot of actors feel very stuck in terms of getting their face out there, getting themselves seen. And there's so many different avenues to go about it. But just knowing that you being submitted is an example of networking, is an example of getting your face out there. Yeah. And then, and then doing good work when you get the chance, you know, doing good work when you get the opportunity for casting to see you like that is a win. I know it doesn't always feel that way. I know it doesn't. I was an actor for a number of years. You want the job and you, you want the result, but this business, and I know you said it many times, like this is a marathon. This is a long game. And so every audition is one mile marker on this marathon that you're on and just it's get to the next one, do good work there, make good choices, continue to be in class and studying, developing your craft and it will happen. Yeah. I think when I was first told it was a marathon, I was like, okay, like two to three years. (laughs) Like, oh, like. 50. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Great. 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 Good, 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 good. It's a lifestyle. I mean, when I first moved to LA, I had a friend who she was an actor and she's like, it'll take you 10 years. Like 10 years is a good, like you will start, you will start seeing some traction about year 10. It happens at different times for different people. But I was like, that seems like a long time away. I don't know that I'm ready to, I don't know if I can wait that long because we all want it now. Yeah. Like, can you stay? Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why I think it's so important to set your life up in a way that you can continue to stay because there are many people here that were sort of in that group of actors that I was in when I was acting that are now having a bit of success. Those that were able to sort of stay. It's taken a while. Okay, do not fast forward through this ad break because I have a giveaway for you and I do not want you to miss it. Okay, got it? Olive and June, not only do they have a discount code for us, which is oliveandjune.com slash broke20, they also are doing a giveaway with me. So I have a box from them. It contains a full new press-on kit. You guys know I love the press-on nails because I love to play, you know, a little flare on the nail. It's just so nice when you're working at your computer or on Zoom all day. It's just a little bit of personality. It's so fun to play with. I love them so much. And they're also really easy to put on as well as take off. So when I put on the Olive and June long almond neon tipped nail, and then I get an 1800s period piece audition, I can just pop those suckers right off. That is a gift for every actor 
under the sun. Because you know, if you go to the salon, you're going to pay like a hundred bucks just to get those nails put on, let alone take them off. So here's the giveaway we have for you guys. Olive and June sent me a full press on nail kit and I'm going to mail it to one of you guys. To enter, I need you to rate and review the One Broke Actress podcast. If you've already rated and reviewed it, go back and find your review in the reviews and screenshot it. If you have not yet reviewed it, as you're writing your review, screenshot it before you click submit because sometimes they take a little while to submit into the system and I want to make sure you get entered. You're going to take that screenshot, upload it to your Instagram stories, and you're going to tag myself and you're going to tag and follow Olive and June. That's it. So to review, rate and review the podcast, screenshot it, upload it to your Instagram stories, follow Olive and June and tag myself, One Broke Actress and Olive and June. That's it, guys. If you need more information about this, it is all in the show notes, but we will pick one of the winners one week from today. I'm going to send you a little something, something in the mail. So email me your rate and reviews and make sure you're following Olive and June and you tag us in your Instagram stories. And I'm going to send someone a brand new, gorgeous set of nails. And in the meantime, if you want to get your own kit, go to oliveandjune.com slash broke20 to save 20% on any Manny kit of your choice. I love this company. Thank you, Olive and June, for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, let's get back to the show. And when you say the word traction too, I want to like also add an asterisk to that, that like traction does not mean you start to book every role you audition for. Traction means that you're probably more often in the, oh, let's maybe see them for this role pile than you are in the no pile. And just being in that pile is sometimes the traction of 10 years. Like it's just such a repetition of like doing the thing, doing the thing, doing the thing, doing the thing. And I think there is a misnomer in that when actors are told like, it's a marathon, eventually it'll start to get there. And it's like, yes. And then it'll slow down again. And then it'll speed up a little bit more and then it'll slow down again. And then it'll speed up more. like you see actors all the time in your breakdowns that have big credits and they're being sent out for, you know, smaller guest stars and stuff. And it's just not a linear plane. Do you agree? I 100% agree because there are some actors that come to town and have a big thing that, and it blows up for them. It's a lot of success and a lot of momentum and then crickets for a while. There is no straight path. There is no sort of next, if you do A, you get B plus C. Like there is no sort of direct line to anything. It's continually being open to saying yes to opportunities that present themselves to you. Obviously nothing that you feel uncomfortable doing, but I'm a big fan of saying yes to work because you never know where that could potentially lead and not doing it from a standpoint of I'm only doing this because it's going to pay off for me later. It's doing it because, Hey, this is what I say that I want to do. This is what I like doing. Let me do it and meet some people and get some experience and see what happens down the road. So I think it's being open to, it's being open to those types of small world moments that happen all the time here in LA. I mean, I'm speaking specifically in in this market. It is a gigantic city with millions of people, but it is a small town at the same time. And people want to work with people they know, like, and trust. And if you can become that person that does good work, it's a good human being that is dependable, that town's going to start getting smaller and people are going to want to start working with you and, and being open to saying yes to those opportunities that present themselves. And then I think also training 
and keeping keeping the juices flowing creatively for you, whether that's in a class, whether that's producing something on your own, like I'm assuming you continue to do this podcast because it's fulfilling for you. It's it's fulfilling a part of you. Like you, you wouldn't spend all the time and energy that you do if this wasn't <laughs> helping you and helping the actors that are a part of this community. Yeah. And so I think finding ways that you can, finding opportunities in everyone's own life to also do those types of things, it gets just like in acting, when you can get the attention off of you and onto your partner, the acting is so much better. And when you can get the attention in your career, when you can get the attention off of what's coming to me and what I can do and give, how I can participate, how I can be involved, it's just going to free up the flow of energy in your life. I mean, that was the game changer of this podcast was I was like, what can I add? How can my mistakes help other people? What can I do? And I feel there are more days that I wake up to do this podcast than there are days I wake up to do auditions or to go to set hands wow. down it's like 175 episodes of this podcast i've been on set 175 days y'all <laughs> it definitely makes a huge difference i want to circle back to you were talking about like staying in training staying in working because you do workshops and training and you also do coaching on the side as well and i want to know how actors can best utilize workshops because workshops yep. went through like, you know, 2012 yep. was like a really hard time for casting director workshops. You guys can Google that on your own. But that being said, are there things that you see that are successful in workshops? Is it because they follow up? Is this because they treat it like an audition? Is it because like what works in a casting director workshop? Well, I'm going to start my answer to that question by telling you what doesn't work well or why I think an actor should not. Perfect. I think an actor should look very carefully within themselves as to why they want to do a workshop. If you are looking at a workshop as a way to seek validation from a casting director, save your money. Don't approach a workshop with a casting director with the energy of pick me, choose me, love me. I'm here pick me, choose me, love me, see me. That's what I mean by validation. It's see me, see me, see me over here. Because the energy that that brings into a workshop experience is immediately like, I, it just is cringy to me. Yeah, it, it's, it sucks the energy out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. And there are those actors in every class experience that are there. Uh -huh. Save your money. Don't come for that reason. For me, I think what a beneficial workshop experience for an actor, the, the ones that I do are structured, they're always on camera. So the actor's work is always taped. And, and, I, and I'm really a fan of that. And I sort of, that's part of the requirement when I teach, because I think that, that information is beneficial. And I look at a workshop as a way to give actors information, information into my process, how I work, information on how to be a better auditioner. Because as you've talked about before, and as actors know, auditioning is its own skill set. And it's very different from being on set. And so the, the more practice you can get in an audition environment, the better. I feel like there's, there's value in going through that experience with someone who's on the other side of the room and how a casting director watches an audition. And so I think that's also a, an important thing for actors to do in that setting is watching. I like class settings that are everybody watches everybody work. Because I think there's value that comes from watching your colleagues work. And 
you sitting in the class watching them work, start watching that person like a casting director. What choices are they making? What are they doing? This is interesting. What about this? And then listen to the feedback they get. Do you agree with that? Do you not agree with that? If they give them an adjustment, did they take that adjustment? How did it play out? And the reason I like my classes tape is because typically the actor will do the scene, then we'll, we'll talk about it, we'll do an adjustment and then have them do it again. And I want them to see and feel the difference. And if an actor can start seeing and feeling that difference in their body, then hopefully when I'm not there and they're home self-taping and they do their scene and they're like, what could I do here? How could I, how could I make this better? I watch it back. Okay, maybe I need to just do an easier version. Maybe I need to do a version where I'm a little bit more still. Maybe I need to have my energy in a, a different way or, or, or deepen my relationship and my need in, in this moment. It's information. I think workshops are most beneficial for actors when they go for information and what can I learn? How can I take something away from this experience to make me a better auditioner? You are like a, you might not always feel this way, but as a casting director, you are a Hollywood gatekeeper. So when people hear, I'm going to go perform for a casting director, they're like instantly. And I know, and don't an actor, don't you tell me that you don't do this? Cause I know you do this. We all think this is a chance. This is a shot. And I think that adds a pressure of showing up as perfect, which really fucks you up when you try to take a adjustment and as like showing a product for an audition, which is not really the vibe. It's not like they're doing theater for you, right? It's like you're coming in to do something. We want to be called in, right? We want to be thought of. We want to be like on on the short list of whatever imaginary short list exists. So I think that's the energy sometimes that we accidentally put towards these workshops to get our shot, especially my actors who don't have reps who can't get submitted right now, who, you know, don't have breakdown services. It's like, it feels like a little barrier to entry. <laughs> and I, and I think that wanting to do good work, wanting to make a good impression is not a bad thing. I think a, a way to approach it is if it's a type of, of workshop where you, as the actor are selecting your own material to present, I think spending some time finding some material that really showcases who you are. Just like you spend the time researching headshot photographers to find a, a photographer who you really feel like captures your essence and gives you a photo that you can use to be successful. Don't just, you know, there are a lot of very easy sort of websites and quick things. And if it's sides that have come off of a popular website, I've seen them 96,000 times. Don't do something from Goodwill Hunting. Like, don't do a scene that's ridiculous, that's super recognizable. Stole my line. Find something <laughs> that really showcases your essence, who you are, what you do. There are some actors that, you know, because they knew I was working on Mayor of Kingstown, brought in dramatic stuff. And when I was working on other projects, would bring in more comedic stuff. That's fine. Because I do watch that actor, and then I do sort of where in my mind palace do they go? Mm -hmm. Right? Because that, that's kind of what I'm doing when I'm meeting someone new. It's where do I put them for reference later? Am I always going to have something for them? No, but I filed them away in when I'm working on something like this, I'll call them in on this commercial. There are people that I've met in workshops that I never have auditioned before theatrically that I was like, Oh my God, I loved her. Yes, let's try her for this. Like she's in this zone of this character that we need. 
so it, it's it, it is helpful in creating awareness but i think if you go into it i happen to get a breakdown and i know they're casting this part right now and i really want them to yes, see me for this yes. don't it because whatever you bring in the room i can feel and i can feel that energy and that that desperation and that and it is, and it's going to, it's, it's going to make your performance not as good because you're going to put all of this undue stress on yourself going up in front of the class or trying to prove something or trying to make a good impression as opposed to just doing good work. Like that's all I ever want to see is an actor do good work. And I mean, we've been talking now for a little bit. I, I think you, I'm a pretty easy person. Yeah. You're pretty chill. Um, and, and in a room, I like to make it very comfortable and very encouraging to an actor. So I always sort of like start my classes of like, this is encouraging. We're not going to, no one's going to yell at you. So like, let go of all that stuff and just get up there and do good work. Because if you do good work, I'm going to remember you more than if you try and get up there and like, get me to bring you in for something. Yeah, no, more of a, more of a, here's some fun work I want to do that is akin to me and less of like, here's my showcase of everything I have to offer for you. Yeah. You're putting so much pressure Mm. on yourself. And then often because you've put so much pressure on yourself, if I give you an adjustment, you are not able to hear it. And it's like, you're so locked into, I've got to do it this way. Are you the way you've rehearsed it to polish it within like millimeters of perfection? And I'm like, great. I kind of want to throw all that out and see something different. It's difficult for an actor to sort of pivot that way. Or then it, then they get all, well, what did I do wrong? Why didn't he like this? And I'm like, no, I just want to play and because I'd, I'd rather have an actor that was just had a good attitude and was there and, and, and willing to play and explore based on the sides and sort of what we need from the character than an actor who is perfect. Because what is perfect? There is no such thing as perfect. There's no, no perfect audition because it doesn't exist. Perfection doesn't exist in life. So don't try and bring that energy into this room. Be prepared as you would be prepared going into an audition, like that is a, that's kind of a turnoff of an actor who's like, Oh yeah, I just pulled this off the website this morning. And okay. So it's going to be a cold read. Cool. I mean, like, fine, that's your choice. You've chosen to be here. I hope we can get something out of it. But I think being prepared is certainly important thing to have happen. Okay. And then what about follow-up emails? Because actors want to send you an email after they met you and things like that. How do you feel about email stuff? I am maybe a rarity of casting directors and I make myself fairly available to actors. I'm on Instagram. I have a, a link in my profile on Instagram where actors can send me their materials, links to their demo, their rep information, all that stuff. And then they will get an email back for me. Oh, you're going to get a bunch after this podcast. That's what it's there for. Amazing. I, I make, I, because we don't have an office anymore. So we're, we're not, I mean, we do, but we haven't been in in years. So the, the days of postcards and like actors being able to let me know what's going on in their career, email is the easiest way to do it. And I know actors like to have a task. And I know that they like to feel like they're doing something to forward their career. And so this is a very easy way. And as I have free time, I love to watch demo. I love to find new people. So it's not, you're not doing it for nothing. And then once you submit that information to me, then you get an email back from me. And then it says, this is the email. If you have stuff coming up or you have new headshots or you've booked something, please let me know. It's a way for me to to stay in touch with actors. Do I promise to respond to everyone? 
I do not, but it's, it's nice to have and to be able, because again, it's just recognition in terms of follow-up from a class, they have my contact information. So, Hey, it was so great to meet you in this. Like, I don't think doing it and expecting a response is necessarily, I, I don't have the time and bandwidth to respond to everyone. If I can, I will, you know, you, in business, you send follow-up emails. Thanks for meeting me, blah, blah, blah. I'm not opposed to it as long as the expectation is not that you're going to get something in return because I understand that it's part of marketing yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's a weird gray area that we haven't really, it's yet another thing on this podcast, you guys, that it's like, it's a little more nuanced than that. Everyone's different. I feel like that's so far the theme of this podcast series this this season is that like Mm -hmm. everyone in this business in any capacity is so different and does things really differently. So I think it's really nice that you make yourself available. And I think you can, like I said, I think I'm maybe a, a rarity in that I I make myself available. I give you my website. I give you an email address. Like I very much make myself available and say, please keep in touch with me this way. There are other casting directors that are that maybe are much more private or they don't want to mm-hmm. feel overwhelmed by stuff coming in from actors and they don't choose to do that. I think respect that. I think you can take your cues on how to communicate with casting based on how casting is communicating with actors at large. And if they're not really posting on social media or you go to their Instagram and it's just their kids and none of it is actory stuff, then read the room. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm such a big fan of that. I want to kind of close out with like a little bit of the vibe of Hollywood right now, because this segment hopefully will not be useful in a couple of years, but there is this impending writer strike, right? And potentially, maybe, who knows? Everyone's renegotiating contracts and, you know, pilot season is different from 2021, from 2020, blah, blah, blah. It feels a little, there's like a gentle, quiet before the storm calm of like, where are the auditions? What's going on? And I'm feeling it. I'm getting messages from actors in all capacities, as well as from people from behind the camera who were like, I'm trying to pivot and start another business as well. What's your take on it? And how do you feel like we can utilize quiet time to the best of our abilities? Well, if I had an answer to that, I would take my own advice. Because (laughs) (laughs) it's not easy. I mean, Mm -hmm. everything that you just laid out that actors are feeling, uh, casting is feeling too. Like this time last year or in 2021, like we'd met on five to seven projects. It has been much quieter this year, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of what is getting picked up and obviously pilot season has been changing for a number of years. There is quiet time. One of the things that I have personally have been doing, and I think that is, is taking care of yourself really, because while this is, you know, I was here during the last writer strike, I, I moved to LA and then the next year it was a writer strike. So it was a real great Oof. time to move to LA. Oof, rough um, time to be an actor. Too. It, was, it was rough. It was rough. <laughs> but this business and this industry is ebbs and flows. This is maybe a, a deeper sort of dip than we felt in a while. If being here for the long term is your goal, finding ways to really be able to ride that wave and it not when it does dip that it doesn't send you off a cliff and i think right now spending you know i I had this commercial that i got to work on but once that's done probably tomorrow 
I'm going to have some free time. And I think really spending some self-care time physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally taking care of myself, one, it's going to better prepare me for when work does come back. I'm going to be rested and rejuvenated and ready to jump back in and work. And two, it's going to, like in yoga, when you're just supposed to breathe through the uncomfortability, you're supposed to just sort of breathe through the tension. I think that it really will help you be able to sort of let go of that focusing on auditions aren't coming, things aren't happening, the tension of what's happening, allowing yourself to see it, accept it and breathe through it is going to distance the, the need to try and fix it. Does that make sense? Then you're in a place of being able to take thoughtful, meaningful action as opposed to panicked action because you're so focused on the tension. No, I think that's, that is a lovely sentiment. And I think that's true, by the way, not just for now, but indefinitely, especially for actors who are listening, who are like, I don't have footage. I don't have reps. I don't have all these things. Like there are lovely things to spend your time on and figuring out how to check your own box without someone else needing to do it, without looking for that validation, without needing that booking to solidify whatever the heck it is like that to me is more powerful and will keep you in this game longer than any booking probably ever will. And when you just remember that it's part of the game, that's, this is just part of the game. And like, I, I was talking to an actor two weeks ago, I had no auditions. It's just so slow. I don't know. Like it was, it was, she was definitely like at like a negative three emotionally. Like she was not in a great space. And then two days later is like, I have four auditions. Now she's on, you know, pinned for this thing. And it's like, it'll come back as much as it swings one direction. It's going to swing back the other direction. And you have no idea how long that swing is going to take, but it will swing back. And it's just part of the game. And so nothing is ever as terrible as you think it might be right now. And we will bounce back from yeah. this. If there, you know, I, I am hopeful that we do not have a writer's strike, but if we do, we will bounce back from it. I agree. I think everyone who's here, listen, if we made it through COVID, we can do anything in this town. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or any other town, to be honest. That was a real test, that one. It was a, it, it, yes. It, and not ignoring the effect that that may have had on a person and may continue to still have on a person. Like, I think there's a lot of, I don't like using the word trauma, like flippantly, but that was a traumatic experience for the planet. And there's a lot of working through and processing through that, that I think we're still yeah. all going through. Yeah. Three years ago was not that long ago. No. Nor was yesteryear, literally days ago. When this podcast comes out, the emergency alert that we've been in for three years will have been lifted, which is wow. crazy to think about, but that you're right. That is something for us to sit in. But I think all of these topics are so important. And so I told my agent that I was having you on and she was like, oh, he's so great. He's an actor's casting director. I was like, what a rad compliment. And I think across the board, that's how actors see you. And I just want to say on behalf of all of them and myself, I thank you so much for being a voice and sharing your stuff. You, everyone from the casting director's cut, everyone, Jessica Sherman, Erica, all of you guys who are very active 
in sharing with the time that I know you occasionally get, you know, between your crazy busy lives and like the deadlines and stuff. It means so much because you guys really humanize so much of this business. And it just makes it feel a little bit less of like us against the man and more of like, we're all just creating something. It just takes a different timeline. And so I want to say thank you. And if you want to direct people to more of your things, we're going to link your website and your Instagram in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to direct people to for this podcast? Not particularly. Instagram and my website are the two main places that I'm active in. It's sethkaskey.com is the website. And please do, if you are an actor who I have not met, and you're listening to this, and you have materials that you want to send me, please go to that submission page on my website and send me your materials. I'd love to get to know you. And I take being called an actor's casting director, I take that as a huge compliment, because I had a lot of doubt in myself making that transition of moving from actor to casting director. And there was a lot of could I do it? You know, were people going to take me seriously? And so it means a lot because I I do and and Jessica and, and Erica and, and Kara, like, we all love actors, we can't do our job without actors. And so we are on your side, regardless of how it might feel on any given day, we are rooting for you. And we want you all to succeed. And it means a lot to me, Sam, that you would invite me to be here. So thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, that is, that's a perfect ending. So with that, guys, we will talk to you next week.